All right, family, you ready to get into the Word of God together today? It's going to be good. I want to remind you that I am anointed by God to say this today, and you are anointed by God to see it. Amen. And these two anointings, these two graces working together, we can get some stuff done in church. If you come in believing God that you've got eyes to see what he wants you to see. If you come to church believing God that you've got ears that are open to hear his voice and a heart that's open to understand more about who you are in Jesus and who he is in you. If you come into this place today expecting to see, expecting to hear, expecting to understand, guess what will happen? You'll see. You will hear. You will understand. And I am expecting the anointing of of God on me and on my words today. And the two of us in agreement together, God will be able to do good things. So let's get our Bibles. Let's get ready to get right back into the word. We'll pray one more time and we'll see what the Lord has to say to us today. Father, we come before you again in worship and praise. And we thank you, Father, that this is the day you've made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We come before your word with eyes open, ears open, and a heart that's wide open and we come with expectation today, Father. We come with expectation to see and to hear and to understand. And I ask you, Lord, for an increase of your grace and your strength and your anointing, the anointing on me to say it and the anointing on your people to see it. And we thank you for the, for the good things that will come out of our time together in your word and all the greater things that are still ahead of us, Lord, we look forward with great expectation and anticipation for all the greater things that are yet to come. You've begun a good work in us and we call you faithful to finish it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, get your Bible. Let's go together this morning to the book of Romans chapter 12. We're going to pick up where we left off. We've been in our series that we're calling Renovation and Transformation. And the Lord has been using this building process and project that's been going on around us to paint a picture of what's supposed to be going on inside us. And our foundation scripture has been here in the book of Romans chapter 12. Let's look at it again together in verse two. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. One more time, don't be conformed to this world. We've talked about it, but let me remind you, that word conformed just simply means to have an outward condition that does not look like what's going on inside you. Don't allow this world to push and to pressure you to be and to look and to act and most importantly, to think like they do. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't bow to the pressure, but instead be transformed. Now the word transform means to have an inward condition that's producing what's going on on the outside. Let what's going on in you overflow out of you. That's what it means to be transformed. He said, how how are you to be transformed? By the renewing of your mind. Now, when you look up this word renewing, it literally means renovation, a renovation, a remodeling. And again, that's what's going on around us right now in Legacy Church. I mean, we've bought this building and we are in the process of a renewing, a remodeling, and a renovation. 
And if you are willing to go through that same kind of process in your mind, in the way you think, if you let God get in there and change the way you think, the same way we've changed the way this room looked from the time we bought it, there's been a, a renovation that's taken place and the result of the renovation is transformation. That's what's happening right now. And you and I can and should be so transformed in our lives that we are absolutely unrecognizable to who we used to be. That's what's happening in this room. In just a few days, a few weeks from now, this place will be totally unrecognizable from what it once was. Why? Because of the renovation, because of the transformation. And when you will allow the word of God to renew and renovate and remodel the way you think, the result is not just a few little changes in your life here and there, it's total life transformation. And the other result is that you know with confidence what the will of God is for your life. And there's so many people asking that question, what am I here for, God? What's the purpose? What's the plan? But you can know it and you can live with confidence, not confusion, about what God's perfect will is for you. Listen to this same verse from the New Living Translation, Romans 12 two. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's how he goes about this transformation, by beginning with the way you think. He said, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Say it again after me, mind transformation, or excuse me, mind renovation, life transformation. Renovation, transformation. Now, I believe this is our fourth week in this series. So if you've missed anything leading up to this, we've got it available for you on the Legacy Church podcast. Go back, listen, listen again and again and again. Get this down on the inside of you. I promise you, even if you've heard everything that was said so far, you haven't heard everything that was said so far. The Lord can keep talking to you and talking to you because we're coming at this from his word and his word is alive. And you can see something in a scripture that you've looked at a thousand times before, but you look at it again with a new set of eyes and a new level of expectation and you'll see something you've never seen. You'll think, where has that been my whole life? It's been sitting right there the whole time. But that's the power of the living word of God. So let's go on in this today. And I want to continue in this series. Go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want to begin reading in verse 9. Listen to what the Spirit of God says. He says, we are God's fellow workers. He says, you are God's field. And listen to this next statement. You are God's building. You are God's building. I like the Passion Translation that says, you are the house He's building. You are God's building. Say it out loud right now. I am God's building. Say it again. I am God's building. What's that mean? God's working on something here. And if you go all the way back to the first week of this series, we talked about what it means to be under construction. 
Just like this room is under construction. There's a process taking place in this. And it's a discipline. Believe me on this. I know this by experience. It's a discipline not to get hung up on what it is and what it looks like right now. When you're in the middle of a construction process, you've got to take your eyes off of what it is and you've got to look at what it will be. And that's why we work from plans. That's why we, we render these things and we, we keep in front of us what this room will be. Let me show it to you again. This is what this sanctuary will be. It's not what it is right now. What it is right now is concrete floors and drywall and, and, and tape and bed and exposed electric. That's just what it is right now. And if you get hung up on what it is right now, it can be discouraging. Why? Because it's like, man, when is this ever going to be done? To be under construction takes time. But if you are patient and you keep your eyes not on what it is, but on what it will be, you'll keep faith alive on the inside of you. And you need to realize that that's not just something that takes place here in the natural with this building. This is what's supposed to be happening in you, in your heart, in your mind, in my life all the time. This renovation and transformation process. I am, you are God's building. He is working on a house. You are the house that he is building. He said again in verse nine, you are God's building. Now look at verse 10. He said, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, God had given him a grace, given him an anointing as a wise master builder. Now, when you look up this word master builder, it's the Greek word architecton. I'll give you three guesses what word we get from that. Architect, correct, very good. If you said architect, you are right. That's where we get our word for architect. And he said, all he's saying here is this grace came on me the same way it would come on a wise master builder, a wise architect, somebody who designs, somebody who plans, somebody who builds. Now this is important for where we're going in this today, but if you can be a wise builder, then what else can you be? A foolish builder. But I want you to make note of what a wise builder does and the grace that came on him to build. He said, as a wise master builder, a wise architect, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. Verse 11, I love this. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, again, he said, this grace came on me as a wise master builder. And as a wise builder, what does he do? He laid a foundation. That's what a wise builder does first, lays a foundation. And when we bought this place, 
And after digging into it, uh, we've come to find out some things about our own foundation that this natural building is sitting on. I was just talking to a close friend of ours who's been in uh, project development and construction development for 30 years or so. And he's been a huge help to us in this project. He came in and he looked around and he was just so excited to find out we're built on what this foundation of this building is on is on granite. Now, what is granite? Do you know? It's just really, really, really hard rock. We are built on a rock. Oh, come on now. You see where I'm headed with this right now, don't you? This place is built on a rock. Now, this building, I think, was built back in 2003. So we're pushing 20 years old now with this building. But when this uh, developer friend of ours came in and he looked around, he's like, there's not a crack anywhere in this foundation. He said, I've never seen a building this age with a flawless foundation. Well, what's, what's that the result of? That's the result of being built on the rock. And I was excited to hear about that. And he and I got to talking about it. And he was talking to me just from a builder's perspective of how important the foundation is. Let me ask you, does it matter what you build your house on? Absolutely, it matters. You don't even have to be an architect on. You don't have to be a master builder to know that it matters what you build the house on. The foundation is so important. As a matter of fact, it's the most important. I mean, because you could, you could spend tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars or more with this beautiful interior design. You could get in the world's best framers and have the highest grade drywall and and have these gorgeous chandeliers and lights and you could put beautiful artwork on the wall and you could have the, 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 the greatest technology in the roof and all of that. But if your foundation is off and if your foundation is compromised, then everything else will be compromised. Does it matter what you build on? Does it matter the kind of foundation you put your house on? Absolutely, it matters. Now, here's what we need to see today is that using a natural picture like this, sometimes foundation problems can take years and years and years to show up. And so many people don't even realize that they've got a problem to begin with. But when you especially tackle a project like this, that's a renovation and you want to transform something that's already there, one of the first things you have to look at is the foundation. What's the foundation like? Can the foundation sustain the rest of the building? Does it matter what you build your house on? Absolutely, it matters. As a matter of fact, the integrity of the foundation determines the longevity of the house. Let me say it to you again. The integrity of the foundation is what determines the longevity, how long that house will last. In other words, your house is only as strong as the foundation that you're built on. Amen? Now he's saying here that you are God's building. You are the house that God is building. 
And because the grace and the anointing of God came on Paul as a wise architect, as a wise master builder, he recognized, okay, the first thing we've got to do here is lay a foundation. And he said, I've laid this foundation and there is no other foundation that can be laid. Not one that's as strong as this one, not one that's as dependable as this one. And what was that foundation? He said in verse 11, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is our foundation. He's the foundation of the house that God is building. He's the foundation of this house, Legacy Church. Jesus Christ is the foundation that this church is being built on. It's not being built on any other person. It's not being built on any other personality. It's being built on the foundation of Jesus, who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, the fact that Jesus is alive and that Jesus still heals and he still saves and he still delivers. We're building this church on him. This church isn't built on me. This church isn't built on Sarah. Now, I realize this, and, and most of you know too, that I come from a ministry family, and a ministry family that many people know of, they're familiar with, and they've um, been in places around the world and preached and have had a very successful ministry. And, and I'm well aware that there are maybe people who are coming to this church now or will come to this church in the future. Why? Because of the ministry family I come from. Now, now don't get me wrong. I love the family I come from. Man, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I love being Kenneth and Gloria Copeland's grandson. I love being George and Terry Pearson's son. That's been one of the richest privileges and treasures of my life. And like I said, I wouldn't change it. However, this church is not being built on Kenneth Copeland's grandson. It's not being built on that identity. It's not being built on that foundation. And there may be people coming now or people that will come in the future because of that association. And that's fine. But what you need to understand, if this is your church home, it's not being built on Jeremy so-and-so's grandson. It's not being built on Sarah. It's not being built on us as individuals. It's being built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Amen. And one of the things you hear us say around here a lot is that Legacy Church is a place where we believe you can come and learn how to raise your family in the house of faith. Did you notice that? In a house of faith. That's what this house is, but that's what we believe your house is supposed to be, a house of faith. And I grew up in a house like that. Man, we went to the word of God for everything. We believed God. We trusted his word. And that's what we want your house to be like. But that house has to have a foundation. And what is the foundation of that house? That foundation is Jesus Christ. And we talked last week, you remember from the book of Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, and you're blessed. And I'm going to build my church upon that rock. He's talking about the foundation that the church is built on. And what is it? It's a revelation 
of who Jesus is and the place, now this is important for us today, the place that Jesus holds. He is, and the revelation of who he is, is the foundation of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. No other foundation can any man lay than that which is laid, Jesus Christ. The integrity of the foundation determines the longevity of the house. Does it matter what your house is built on? Absolutely. And you are being built up a spiritual house, but there's got to be a foundation there. You can't be built on any other identity. You can't be built on any other thing besides Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. What does that mean? It means he's solid, man. It means he is consistent. It means there are no flaws in him. And as a foundation, that's what you want. As a foundation, that's what you need. And any other foundation, anything, anything else you would use as a foundation in your life, I promise you this, there are flaws in it. I promise you this, there is compromise in it somewhere. And if you try to build your house on it, if you try to build your life on it, it will compromise everything else. Like I said, you can spend a million dollars on the interior design, but if you got a bad foundation, then everything else is compromised. And we're gonna see that today in the scriptures. We're building this house on the foundation of Jesus Christ and none other. And we want you to learn what it means to raise your family in the house of faith. But like I said, that house needs a foundation. Jesus is the foundation for your faith. In other words, it's not just about the principles of faith. It's not just about hearing a message on faith and saying, okay, well, if I do this, then I'll get that. And you try to put these principles into practice. No, listen to me. The principles of faith are powerless if you disconnect them from the person of Jesus Christ. Can I say that to you again? The principles of faith are powerless when you disconnect from the person of Jesus Christ. You hear a lot of talk when you're talking about faith, when you're talking about walking by faith, and you hear this in the terminology, people say, well, I'm in faith for my healing. I'm in faith for my prosperity. I'm believing God for this. I have faith for, faith for but listen to me, you got to back up because there is no such thing as faith for healing. I'm making some of you mad right now. Hold on just a second. There's no such thing as faith for healing apart from faith in the healer. That's using Jesus as the foundation for what you believe about God's will to heal you. It's just the same way with salvation. There is no such thing as faith for salvation apart from faith in the Savior, who is Jesus Christ. See, he's the foundation for your faith. So instead of thinking in terms of what I have faith for, what I have faith for, what do I have faith for? I want you to begin thinking in terms of who is my faith in? Because that's the foundation that your faith for is built on. There is no such thing as faith for prosperity apart from faith in the one who was rich, but for your sake became poor so that you through his poverty might be made rich. Jesus Christ is the foundation 
of the house of faith. Oh, come on, that's good. Are you listening to me right now? Jesus Christ is the one and only foundation for the house of faith. And that's what we are. That's who we are. We are the household of faith. But if you try to build your house on anything else, any other identity, uh, the family you come from, the money you have in the bank, the position you hold, the job you have, the place you live in, if you try to build your house on any other foundation, you're compromised. And there is no other foundation strong enough to support the life that God's called you to live. And, and you know, I'm 40 years old now, and I, I grew up, like I said, in that house, that household of faith. And, and I, I remember even being a kid and, and realizing, man, people know who my papa is. <laughs> realizing, I, I'll tell you a quick story. My grandfather took me, I must have been, gosh, I don't know, 10 years old or so, something like that. And he took me one day to buy my first pair of rollerblades. I think this is kind of when rollerblades first were a big deal. And Papa was going to take me for my birthday to buy me this present. And we were sitting in the sporting goods store and this, I mean, I will never forget this, but this guy walks up to us and starts chatting with us and says, says to me, this 10 year old kid, something like that. He said, what's it like to have a star as your grandfather? And I remember that hit me kind of funny at the time. But what I realized from that is like, people know who this guy is. And I remember walking through a Walmart with my papa one time and just people coming from all over the place. Oh, Brother Copeland, Brother Copeland. And I realized as a kid that, that you know, this, I was in a family that, that people knew of and that a family that was in many respects known of around the world in some circles. Uh, and it would be very easy. Let me tell you how easy it would be for that to be my foundation, for that to be my identity. And I'm sure at times I've let it be that. But even in, in seeking the Lord about what you and I are doing together as a church and what even we're doing in, even right now in this message, I had to go before the Lord again and say, thank you for my family. I'm honored to come from where I come from, but Jesus, you are my foundation. I have no other foundation. And I have to remind myself of that on a regular basis because any other foundation, any other identity that you would use to build your life on, I promise you this, it will crack. It will come apart. And if you're not built on something solid, your house is only as strong as the foundation you're built on. So what do we need to do together today? We need to find out what we've been built on and we need to make sure it's this foundation. And if it's been built, if our lives have been built on any other foundation, then you know what you need to do? You know what we need to do today? We need to do some foundation repair. That's what we need to do today. Get in there and begin to repair that foundation. And it's one of the first things you do in a renovation project. In a remodel project, one of the first things you've got to do, if you are wise, come on, are you listening? If you are wise, you won't just look at what you can see. You won't just look at the, what's above ground and make your decision about that place. You need to look at the foundation. You've got to start there. 
and the foundation has problems, then you need to begin to repair it. And we can use the word of God today to start doing some foundation repair in our lives. So I want you to go from the book of 1 Corinthians here. Let's take a look back and turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And let's look at some things Jesus said specifically about the foundation that our lives are built on. Thank you, Lord. How do we fix the foundation? Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 46, he said, but why do you call me Lord, Lord? Okay, stop right there a minute. When you're reading through the scripture and you're looking at what Jesus is saying, one of the things that I like to do, and you need to do it as well in your own study, is ask yourself, who's he talking to? Who's he talking to in these verses? Well, you know right here, he's talking to people who call him Lord, right? He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? So he's addressing specifically people who call him Lord. Well, I call him Lord. Do you call him Lord? Yeah. So could we say that Jesus is talking to us? Yeah, absolutely. Jesus is talking to the people who call him Lord. Now, here's the thing about calling Jesus Lord. It's not just a term or a title that we use to honor him or to respect him. It is that, but it's more. The word Lord is especially when you use it in reference to him, what you are saying is, Jesus, I give you a place of authority. I give you, Lord Jesus, a place of power and a place of high position in my life. That's what the word Lord means. And when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, how'd you do that? Well, you did it the same way everybody else did it. You believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. When you did that, when you believed it in your heart and you said it with your mouth, there was so much power in that that it renovated you. It transformed you into something else. The old man died and behold, all things have become new. You were in that moment a new creation in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you called him Lord. What were you saying when you said that? You were literally saying to him, Jesus, save me. I'm done being my own Lord. I'm done being my own God. That's what you were saying when you made Jesus the Lord of your life. You were saying, Jesus, look at this mess. I made this mess. This mess is the result of me being God. This mess is the result of me holding the highest place of authority in my life. And that means you did only what you wanted. You, you did only what you felt, right? That was because you were Lord. And when you humbled yourself, just like I've done and we've all done, and you came before him, you said, Jesus, be my Lord. I'm done being my own God. I'm done calling my own shots, right? That's what it means to make Jesus the Lord, to give him that place of authority. It's not just 
Lord, Lord, we honor you. It's Lord, Lord, we give you place. We give you position. We give you authority and we give you power. And so Jesus says in this verse here, Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Now listen to this. And not do the things which I say. See, he's saying this doesn't make sense. He's talking to people. He's talking to you, talking to me, talking to people who call him Lord. But he says, why? Why do you call me Lord and you don't do the things which I say? So see, there you can see what the, 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 the place and the position of Lord is supposed to translate to. It's not just a, a, an honorable title. It's supposed to be a place where he can speak to you and he has a place of authority to where he says something and you do it. You act on it. You put into practice what he says. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? In verse 47, he says, whoever comes to me. Now, I want you to make note of all this. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings. He's hearing the words, right? Whoever comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you who he is like. Now, Jesus, just in this one statement, pretty well outlines what our whole relationship with him is supposed to look like. Just in this one statement, he said, he who, number one, comes to me. Let's stop and talk about that a minute. He who comes to me, Jesus said. Why would you or I or anybody else come to Jesus? Well, we just mentioned it a moment ago. You're humbling yourself. The moment you came to him, to make him Lord over your life. You brought yourself low. You humbled yourself and you said, in essence, Jesus, I need help, man. I need help. This is a mess. I got myself in it. I can't get myself out of it. And I need your help. Now you came to him on day one, but that was not supposed to be the last time you came to Jesus you still need help. I don't know if that comes as a shock or a surprise to you, but allow me to inform you, you still need help. I still need help. We need his help and it's the kind of help that only he can give. And that's why we come to him. We come to him, number one, because of who he is. We come to him because of the place he holds. And that's really what Peter spoke by revelation that day when Jesus said, who do you say I am? And he said, you are Jesus the Christ. That's a place. That's a position. The anointed one, his anointing. You are the Messiah. You hold a place and a position that nobody else holds. It was the recognition of not just who he is, but of the place that he holds. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. With sonship comes authority. Oh, come on, listen to this. With sonship, that place of being a son, whoever is a son in the house has authority in the house. 
And so Peter, in one statement, recognized who Jesus is. He recognized the place that he holds and he recognized the authority that Jesus possessed. And and Jesus is saying, when you come to me, you come in recognition of all that. Let's make it really simple. You come to Jesus because of who he is and because of what he can do. Because of what he can do in your life. And what he can do for you, nobody else can do. Thank you, Jesus. We just ought to say thank you, Jesus, right now. Thank you, Jesus. But then he said, who, he who comes to me and hears my word. See, now you're taking your relationship with him to the next level. There are many, many, many people who have come to Jesus, but for whatever reason, didn't stay. I'm not saying they're not born again. I'm not saying they're not good people. They believe in him. They believe in his existence. They recognize his place, his position, his authority. But there's another step in the relationship and that is to hear his word. Now, this is what's interesting to me. Most people, when they come to Jesus, many people come because of what they need him to do, like we've already said, but what they're looking for is a fix to the problem. What they're looking for is this supernatural intervention, this supernatural involvement. Jesus, I need you and I need you now. I need you to show up and fix this thing. I need you to make this all better and do it now. And he does do that. It's called a miracle. And they happen in the lives of people all over the world every day. And it's God involving himself supernaturally. And he does take things and change them. He does heal the sick. He does deliver. He does save lives. You see it in Jesus' own ministry. But listen to me, child of God, you and I are not supposed to be living from miracle to miracle to miracle to miracle. When you come to Jesus and you come with a problem, you come with a mess, you come with something that needs to be fixed, you know what he's going to do most of the time is give you a word. Most of the time you are going to get a word in response to your prayer, in response to you coming to Jesus. You are going to hear him lead you back to his word. And there are a lot of people that don't want that. They're like, no, 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 I, I don't need a word. I need a miracle. I need you to show up and I need you to fix this and I need you to do it without me doing anything. But most of the time, the vast majority of the time, when you come to Jesus, what you will get from Jesus is a word. He's going to lead you right back to his word. See, healings and miracles were not the only thing that took place in his ministry. The Bible says that he went everywhere preaching. He went teaching. What is that? That's words, man. That's words coming out of his mouth. And even the people who were eyewitnesses of miracles in his ministry, they for some reason, somehow, were spiritually, many of them, uh, attuned, in tune enough to recognize 
that something miraculous, it wasn't just something miraculous that happened, it was the way it happened. And more than one place when, when a demon was cast out or somebody was healed, the people around would stand in amazement and you know what they would say? What a word this is. What a word this is. That's what the disciples said when Jesus stood up in the bow of that ship and commanded that storm to cease, commanded the wind to stop and the waves to be still. And he said, peace, be still. And you know what the disciples said? Who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. They obey his word. See, when you come to Jesus, you know what you need to be ready to get in response from him? A word. And this is, this is a, another level of relationship with him. And the people who live on that level, it's a much smaller group than those who just come to Jesus. You got people who are coming to him every day. Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, I got to have you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus. And they're coming to him and that's a good thing. But if you stop crying for a second, you know what you'll get from him is a word. That's how Jesus responds to your need. He responds with a word. But then he takes it another step further. He said, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings, and then what's the next step? And does them. So it's not just somebody who comes to Jesus. It's not even just somebody who hears what Jesus has to say. This next step in fellowship and relationship with him is coming to him, hearing from him, and then doing what he says. Putting his word into practice in your life. He said, whoever comes to me, hears my word, hears my sayings and does them, I'll show you whom he is like. Now, when you couple this with the same account from the book of Matthew chapter seven, this is what Jesus said in verse 24. Whoever hears the sayings of mine and does them, he says, I will liken him, check this out, to a wise man, a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, do you remember what we read from the Spirit of God and what he said through Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter three, that the grace and the anointing was on him as a wise master builder. And what is it a wise builder does? Lays a foundation. A foolish builder won't do it, but a wise builder takes the time to lay a foundation. And that's what Jesus said here, Matthew 7, 24. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Go back to Luke chapter six, verse 48. The one who comes to Jesus, the one who hears his word and the one who puts his word into practice, he said, is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently, violently against that house, could not shake it. Why? Because of the foundation. Because it was founded on the rock. So what is the foundation that your life is built on? Well, my life's built on Jesus Christ. Okay, but think about what that means. It's not just that your life is built on Jesus, it's built on Jesus Christ, the anointed one. 
That's his place. That's his position. And if your life is built on that, it's not just built on who he is. It's not just just built on what he says. Your life is built on you putting his word into practice. Because if you go on, you see this in verse 49, he who heard and did nothing. So these are people who've come to Jesus. They've heard the word just like the wise man did, but Jesus said they did nothing with it. Back to Matthew 7. It says in verse 26, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who build his house on the sand. So you've got these two different types of foundation and you've got these two different types of house. One being built by a wise person and one being built by a fool. Now here's what you need to, man, you've got to pay attention to this. You've got to hear this. Both of these people are people who call Jesus Lord. This is not the difference between a saved person and an unsaved person. This is not the difference between a Christian and a sinner. Both of these people call Jesus Lord. But one of them is a wise man and one of them is a fool. Both of these people have come to Jesus. You realize that? Both of these people have heard the word, both of them, but only one of them put the word into practice. And it was the doing of the word of God that put a foundation underneath that, underneath that house, underneath that structure. You remember what the Bible says in the book of James? Let me read it to you. In James chapter one, Verse 21, it says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. What's he saying? Receive the word of God. Hear it. Welcome it. Receive it. He said, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. You see, that's what it was like growing up in this house of faith that I grew up in, man. It was the word and the word and the word. And we believed that the word of God was alive and it had power. There was power in it to save you. There was power in it to heal you. There was power in it to deliver and to prosper you. And we received it and we welcomed it. But listen to this. He said, receive that word, which is able to do this for you. But verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now, now don't misunderstand me. We want you to hear the word. God wants you to hear his word. That's how faith comes. It only comes by hearing the word. And for the last 10 years that Sarah and I have been in this ministry together, our whole assignment has, to, has been to serve our generation with the word. And everything we do is about getting the word out and getting the word into people's lives. And we, we start a television broadcast with one goal, get the word into your life. We want you to hear the word. We, we make these podcasts available and we write these articles and send out these magazines and Sarah records music and we record teaching and we write books for one reason, so you can hear the word. Because when you hear the word, faith comes. 
But there's this, this next step in your fellowship and relationship with Jesus. It starts with you coming to him. The next step is hearing from him. But the last step is what? Not just being a hearer, but being a doer of the word. Putting the word of God into practice in your life. And that part, I can't do for you. That part we cannot do. It's our goal. It's our priority to help you hear it. But only you can put it into practice in your life. And we're living in, 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 in a really unique time right now with everything that's going on around us in the world. And, and the shutdown and, and, and people being locked in. We're having to do church like this because we're not gathering together. And, and it's been an interesting thing to watch, especially when it comes to church. And I've been so excited to see as we put these uh, videos out there for you to watch over the course from Sunday to Sunday between services, we've got over a thousand views on any one uh, in particular service. That's awesome to me. That's an amazing thing to me. We're pushing a couple of thousand views on some of these services. And that's not just individuals. That might be a living room full of people right now watching this. That's awesome to me. I know that there are some churches and some ministries, man. I mean, it's not in the thousands. It's the tens of thousands. It's the hundreds of thousands of views, people watching and listening to church. And, and I, I don't know all about everybody who's doing anything, but just the mere fact alone that that many people are hearing the word, that's, ex that's exciting to me. I get thrilled about that. I'm so thrilled over the thousand or 2000 of view, views that we're getting in these church services, but it's not viewing it. It's not hearing it that lays a foundation in your life. What I wish I could measure, but I can't is how many people are doing something with the word they've heard. What are you doing with the word you've heard? heard. I don't care if a million people watch this service. That's great. And they've heard the word. But when you hear faith comes, but faith comes for one reason. So you can put it into action. So you can step out on it. Verse 22, James 1 again, he says, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. You see, this answers the question, why isn't it working? There are people who have sat up in church for year after year, decade after decade, and they've heard good word. And they've got a closet full of teaching materials and CDs and DVDs and tapes and books and, and notebooks where they've taken page after page after page of notes. And they've been to this church and they've been to that one and they've heard this one speak. And yet it's not producing in their lives what they were told it could and should produce. This answers that question. Why isn't it working? Not putting it into practice. That's what lays the foundation. Putting the word into practice. What are you doing with the word you've heard? That's what lays the foundation in your life. He said in verse 25, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, that's the word of God, and continues in it, stays with it, puts it into practice, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed 
in what he does. The blessing comes as the result of doing the word. Faith comes when you hear it, but faith comes for one reason, for you to step out on it. What's the scripture say? We walk by faith. You remember the day that Peter and the disciples were in the boat and there was a storm raging all around them and Jesus came walking to them on the water. And he said to them, it's I, do not be afraid. And Peter said, if it is you, tell me to come. And Jesus said one word, come. That's all he said, one word. And when Peter stepped out of that boat, that word out of the mouth of Jesus became foundation underneath Peter's foot. And just a moment ago, there was no foundation there. It was water and you can't walk on water. But that word put a foundation there. But it wasn't just the word that did it. It was Peter stepping out onto it. It was Peter putting that word into practice, putting faith in that word. And I'm gonna tell you something. You can hear all about walking by faith. And if you're gonna come to this church, you're gonna hear about it, man. You are gonna hear about how to raise a family in the house of faith. You are gonna hear about how to live by faith and walk by faith. You come to this place, you're gonna hear about being led by the Spirit of God. You're gonna hear about what it means to, to be a giver and to be generous. You're gonna to come to this place, you're gonna hear how to pray in faith. You're gonna hear about walking in love. You're gonna hear about uh, forgiveness and the power of forgiveness. And when you hear it, Faith comes, but that faith comes for one reason. Not, that, not so you can say, man, that was a good word. Not so you can sit up in here and say, wow, I really enjoyed that. No, you hear about praying and then what do you do? Pray. You put it into practice. You hear the word about forgiveness, but you know what? You can only hear that for so long before it's time to do what? forgive. You can hear about being led by the Spirit. And when you're hearing about it, faith's coming to you. And there's a belief rising up on the inside of you. Yeah, I can be led by the Spirit of God. I can hear His voice. But there comes a time where it's no longer time to hear about it. It's time to put it into practice. And like I said, man, I grew up in that house, that house of faith. And I heard good word on walking by faith and talking by faith and fighting by faith. But there came a time in my life and in Sarah's life, because she grew up in a really similar household that I grew up in, that we couldn't just hear about it anymore. We had to step out on it. We had to put that word we'd heard into practice because without putting into practice, my life's built on Papa. My life's built on mom, dad. But the moment I put that word I'd heard into practice, Jesus Christ became my foundation. And he became the foundation that Sarah and I would build our life and our marriage and our family and our ministry on. And we were serving my grandparents and my parents and their church and their ministry. And I had been for a long time. 
She and I got married and, and we youth pastored together in the church there for a couple of years. We, we traveled as representatives of that ministry for another year and the Lord began dealing with us. I want you to step out. Step out into your own. And long story short, we did. But what were we stepping on? We were stepping out on that word, the word that we had heard. But in the, in the moment we stepped out, it became foundation underneath our feet. Now, we didn't have a, a partner base, of ministry, a, a ministry partner base. We didn't have people supporting us from all over the world. We stepped out on nothing but that word. But that's because it came time in our lives to do it. My parents, my grandparents, her mom and dad done such an awesome job and done what, what a good parent should do, get faith in their kids, raise them up in the word of God, preach the word to them. But there comes a time when you step out on it for yourself. And we did. And for years, we were in our own ministry. We lived there in Texas and we traveled from there and we began this television ministry from there. But there came a time when the Lord said, Colorado. Go. It's time. Legacy church. Start the church. Now, you know what? I can hear messages. I can hear the anointed preached word of God my whole life. And I can hear stories from the word about all the good things that happen for people who step out in faith. You know, I can hear testimony after testimony after testimony of all the good things God will do for somebody when they step out in obedience to his assignment and his anointing for their life. And I can hear it and it's great. And what it does is it stirs faith in me. But if I never step out on it, then I have some other foundation. And if I stay put, then the foundation I'm on is compromised. Folks, we're not called to stand still by faith. We're called to walk by faith. We're called to step out onto the word of God do we come to Jesus? You bet we come to Jesus. Not just the day you were born again, but every day since then, you come to him because he alone has the help that you need. He alone can do for you what you need done. No one else can save like Jesus can save. No one else can heal like Jesus can heal. No one else can deliver and set free and prosper like Jesus can. And how does he do it? with a word. He does it with the authority and the power that is in his word. But it's not just hearing it, it's doing it. It's putting it into practice. So you're sitting there watching this service today, but my question to you is, what will you do with the word you've heard? Because when you act on it, then and only then, it puts foundation underneath your feet. And this church will always be a church that puts a high premium and a priority on getting the word into your life. And that's going to be our answer for everything. Like it or not, that will be our answer. And if you come and you say, look, my marriage is falling apart. I need a miracle. We're going to say, okay, we'll believe God with you for a miracle, but he's got answers in his word. His word has the answer to it, but it's not just hearing the answer. It's putting it into practice. You come to this church and say, I've been diagnosed with this, that, or the other, this sickness, this disease. The answer is in the word. 
And we're going to point you to the word. We're going to give you the word, but it's got to be acted upon. What are you doing with the word you've heard? Hmm? You come to this place with any need. And our answer is always going to be, here's what the word says. Here's what the word says. But then it will be your job to not just come to Jesus and not just hear his word, but to put it into practice. What will you do with the word you've heard? Amen. When you work, when you act on it, it puts foundation underneath your feet. Father, I pray over this congregation today in Jesus name. I hold them up before you and I thank you, Lord, for the good work you've begun in them and the great work that's yet to come and the greater things that you want to do in their lives, Lord. Sarah and I are so honored to be the pastors of this church. Thank you for calling us and anointing us. And Lord, we will fulfill your assignment to preach the word. And all of us, Lord, we, we recommit to you today to not just be hearers of the word, deceiving ourselves, we'll be doers of the word. And we know that as we do, it's putting foundation underneath our feet. And just like Peter stepped out onto a surface where there was no foundation before, but because he had your word, it put foundation beneath his feet. We have that same foundation. We worship you. We thank you. And if there's anybody watching or listening to this right now and you're not born again, you've never come to Jesus to make him the Lord of your life, do it today. Today is the day of your salvation. All you got to do is what we talked about just a moment ago. Believe in your heart that he lived for you, he died for you, and he rose again for you. And say with your mouth, Jesus is my Lord. I'm done being my own God. I'm done being my own Lord. But remember what you're saying is you're saying, Jesus, I will do what you want me to do. I will act on your word and I will put it into practice. And as I do, it will build a foundation underneath my feet and God can build his house on that. Amen. Church, thanks so much for watching today. We love you. We're looking forward to seeing you in person. Don't forget, God's doing great things here. And soon and very soon, we'll be able to tell you when we can open these doors and welcome you to church. We love you so much. We'll see you again next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you and remember... You are always welcome here in the House of Faith.